welcome to the Making a Runner podcast. I'm your host, Nick, a running specialist, biokineticist, and coach. And I'm your co-host, Leah, an everyday runner interested in women's wellness, and this is Making Her Runner. Here, we speak to coaches, athletes, and subject matter experts to take a deep dive into the world of running as a female athlete. Through the insights of our guests and the lens of personal experience, we look to help you improve your running and enjoy every step of the way. Wherever the road or trail may take you. This is how runners are made. How runners are made, baby. Oh yeah. This is going to sound a little bit dramatic, um, but I had to like, I had to like mourn my goal. Like I had to take time to to mess it, to mourn it, to deal with, with the loss. Um, we, we were supposed to have like 20 friends over that evening um, for a bride. And I WhatsApp Thea on the race and I told him to cancel the bride because I knew that I wouldn't be able to deal with all these people or like have to voice my feelings yet. Cause, so I had to internally deal with it first. I, I was really heartbroken. Like every single person that I saw afterwards um the couple of days after and they like said, told me i heard about your run or how was it or are you okay i i burst into tears every single time because i was so i was so heartbroken about it and then as soon as i kind of figured out or like mentally unpacked it a little bit you know thought through all the different things that could have gone wrong there's nothing that i could have done any differently that would have made a difference um, in the race. And when I kind of realized that I could make peace with it, but I needed to deal with it myself and I needed to mourn the loss of, of this result. Nicola! Hello, Leah G. Oh, back for another episode of Making Her Runner it's Girls been Run a the while. World. It's been Woo-hoo. a while. <laughs> but we're back. And this girl ran her marathon. <gasps> this girl ran her marathon. It was an absolute blast. Um, as our guest today alludes to it, as you cross that finish line, all the negatives disappear. You completely forget about it. Amnesia sets in and you can just remember how freaking awesome it was. But let me tell you... <laughs> Without the amnesia. I hurt so much. And out of freaking nowhere, I was honestly so upset because at about 24 kilometers, my ITBs flared up. Like out of the blue. Never during the training block did I have ITB pain. But the important bit about this and why it was still an absolutely incredible run for me was because I have never before controlled negative stimulus, negative input, negative thought so well. I kept going. I remembered, you know, pockets of information that we've heard on this podcast here and there where people say, you know, things change. Things do change. Things can turn around. You just need to keep going. And I can tell you that did happen for me for, for a brief three kilometers in between 31 and 34 I was on top of the world again I was even going to try and run a faster time but sure second marathon in the bag and I learned a, 40 a minute lot PB. 40 minute PB <laughs> yeah 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 you guys wanted me to run under four but the goal time in my heart was 420 that was always what I thought I was capable of I'm a little bit conservative so I found it hard to mentally aspire two more that four just kind of made me turtle I just wanted to disappear when that four word was mentioned 420 felt felt reasonable but now after today's conversation I'm sitting here going am I just playing it too safe oh look at perhaps uh, I think it's it's nice that you bring up today's conversation because obviously you know with with your incident that you sort of said feeling the pain um at of the itb it's definitely not something that you'd planned or that you plan to experience and you know on races sometimes things just don't go according to plan and being able to you know stick through it bounce back within that race and being mentally uh, tough enough having that mental fortitude to to just keep on going um your race eventually did turn around you did have a strong finish you felt great um like you said, in hindsight, you look back and you had a fantastic day. You took it all in. You made the most of that day. And today, maybe you can tell us a little bit about the guest that we have on and why it, it was such a such a lovely conversation coming 
off of your marathon experience and perhaps what you're saying right now, you don't think you push yourself hard enough. Sure. Well, firstly, um, just a disclaimer, I'm not just being a rude human being and not asking Nick about his race. He fully unpacked that in the last episode with Davey. But just to acknowledge, well done. I mean, you had a brilliant race. The conditions were far from ideal. It, it definitely was one of those days where, you know, we say the day's the day, but we, we hope that the set of circumstances never come around, but they did. The The wind was blowing gale forces. There were times where it, it got us into a place where we were maybe burning matches faster than what we needed to. And I think that's definitely what happened with our, our guest of today. We, we had the privilege of unpacking Andriana Cronier's race day with her. She in very much tell all style she is she's so transparent and she's so inspiring um and really so mature i know that she's just celebrated her 30th birthday but if i listen to this conversation what i get from it is the knowledge that running is so much more than just the physical act of what we do it is such an emotional and mental way of of growing as people and if we allow it to be that if we allow it to stretch us if we allow a bad day to be a bad day but still show up in in the, the weeks to follow then running is doing what it's supposed to do for us and then some yeah i i, I totally agree with that and to on top of that it's it's something that we inspire those around us without even knowing it mm -hmm. and you know we are in it we're following our goals we put all of this time and effort into it and sometimes the day just doesn't happen for us and we are left with a hell of a lot of disappointment mm. as Andy explains you having to mourn your your experience you're having to mourn your your future thoughts of what you anticipated and what you expected yeah and it's, it's actually heartbreaking to not hit our goal but it is such a key element in the running journey and how we bounce back from that from that disappointment truly defines us as runners mm. so I uh, Today's conversation honestly is inspiring because, you know, Andy's race didn't go according to plan. She she was far off of her time in the end. But besides putting herself out there, uh, being so public about her goal, um, you know, not being able to achieve that goal, she she was able to put that aside, get to the finish line, and still draw on on the positive experiences from the day and has been able to bounce back into a running journey and is feeling motivated to run again. And I mean, that was a, a, a huge undertaking of hers. As you'll see, if you do follow Andy, she does a lot of her running alone. But if we've learned anything through this, this episode, particularly, it's what your running community and, and not just people who run, you run with, but the, the role of your support structure. It is absolutely pivotal that you have the right support structure. And with the right support structure, it is amazing what kind of goals you could aspire to. So you've heard it from us. Here's Andriana. Andy, thank you so much for taking the time today to, to chat to us uh, on this episode of Making Her Runner. We're, we're very excited to have you on. Well, I'm very excited to be chatting to you guys again. You know I get very nerdy about running, so <laughs> I'm really keen to, to get into it. It will be cool to to break down a little bit of what's gone in, what's gone on in your life since we last spoke to you. I know last time we chatted to you was on a normal making a runner episode, and we mm -hmm. spoke to you about the brand that you and your husband Pierre have created, Burnt. Uh, I know lots has happened since then. Maybe you can just fill us in a little bit in terms of where that's at, and also like you personally, what you did at Oceans, and then obviously building up to Cape Town. Sure. Um, okay, starting off with like work and burnt and everything. It's been a crazy busy year, but a very, very good year. Um, I just feel so blessed with, with, you know, the way that everything has been going. I mean, we've been working really hard, but we've been launching new collections. Um, we're expanding our retail footprint. We're actually opening two new stores this week. Um, so Wednesday, <laughs> Wednesday we're opening a store in Canal Walk, and then Thursday we're opening one in the village in Pretoria. So 
big week, starting it off with a lack of podcast episodes. Um, yeah, um, yeah it's, we've been really busy, but but like in such a fun way. Like I love building this brand because I just get to do what I love. You know, I just create products that I want and I get to, you know, be active for a living and, you know, create products that make people feel good and enable them to reach their goals. Um, I just, yeah. <laughs> I just have the, the best time ever. Um, so that's basically more or less what's been happening work-wise. And then since we last spoke, I had two oceans initially. So I was a little bit nervous before that race um, during the podcast interview. I wasn't really sure like how everything was going to go. And then I really loved that run. I had the best race. I had so much fun. I ran way under my goal time. I ran a 141 in the end. And, you know, um, that just sort of kind of like kick-started my excitement for the rest of the year in terms of running. Um then I just basically maintained my running for a little bit for a couple of months. And then I contacted you, Nick, <laughs> both <laughs> one day, one morning, um, and just saying that I've got a massive, massive goal for Cape Town Marathon and that I need to start training with it and I need a little bit of guidance because my running has always just been, you know, kind of like winging it from my side. Um, so, yeah, then I was I did a 14-week a training block for Cape Town Marathon where my goal time was to qualify for Boston um, to run a sub 330. Um, we'll probably chat about what happened there. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, that's basically my year until until now running was. I mean, I'm so interested to understand how you do it all. I mean, if I think that just from that summary, how many collections have been launched in the space of time? Two key races a few training blocks within that space as well. It can seem like you are always on. And I remember from the Two Oceans episode, that's very much to your personality. But I mean, here you are within the first time that you are hiring a coach or trusting a coach and going through a big build for a big marathon. I mean, was that your first, Andy? Not your first marathon, hey? No, it was my fourth. (laughs) Your fourth marathon. marathon. Yeah, yeah. Which I think is why this conversation is interesting in terms of where we are going to start delving into what could have gone wrong with Mm. the marathon that that eventually unfolded. Um, Mm. But before before we get to that, I think it's good to give the listeners an idea of of your training, you know, because from my end as as your coach, it it was a great training block. Um, I know that, you know, prior to that, your, your marathon PB was, what, 333? 333, yeah. So, w- with mm-hmm. that, you know, we we had a, a great Two Oceans 21K in terms of h- how you felt on the day. You had a fantastic day out. Very little expectation on yourself. And, and I think that's, that's going to be the crux of the conversation. Very little expectations. Go out there. Have a lot of fun. And just make the most and enjoy the day and take it all in. And as at the end of the day, you finished off with a great time, surprised yourself, felt super motivated, decided, hey, I want to do this thing. I want to do more. I want to train more. I want to I want to get the most out of my running training. And after we spoke, we obviously had an idea of that 3.30 in mind. But we always said, you know, let's see how the training goes. Let's see how we progress. And and from my end, you know, the training went very well. I know we, we've had the discussion after, after the race uh, in terms of what could have gone differently, what we could have done differently. But I think it speaks to the volume of load that you have in your life. And that's why I want to bump that off of the question that Leah sort of um, alluded asked. to. <laughs> how, how do you do it all? How do you fit it all in? Um. There's the saying, the more you do, the more you get done. So definitely that's, in a sense, my life. Um, I love having this business. Um, I love working with this incredible team. I love creating these products. Um, that's an absolute like big love of mine. And then also this running part of my life, which is, this is that's just for me. You know, that's also a really important part of my life. Um, but then with that, you've got elements that you don't necessarily always think about, like to ensure that you stay in contact with your friends and still be a good friend yourself. Um, The fact that part of my life is, you know, in the public eye, um, there's a lot of people kind of like seeing what I'm doing and looking towards me for, I don't know, (laughs) um, 
sometimes tired and sometimes just what am I doing, whatever. Um, so there's some things that, that kind of filter into your life that you don't necessarily see on pen and paper or see as part of your schedule. So I think if it was just my work in this business that we're building and my training, I don't think it would have been too much, you know, because it's two things that I absolutely love and I think I would have been able to manage that. But I think everything additional to that, you know, emotion, um, socializing, uh, sometimes, you know, your our menstrual cycle, all these things um, influence your your energy and everything that you that you do. So I think that's kind of like where I learned a bit of a lesson this past couple of months is it's not only your diary schedule um, that you need to balance, but all those extra things that you don't necessarily see as tick boxes or see as goals or see as influences in your life that you need to consider when you are training and when you are working and when you are building, you know, your life and your business and, and everything around that. Yeah, I think that's so relevant. I think back to a, a podcast episode, um, one of our earlier episodes where Davey turned around and said, you know, running is not a stressor, it's a de-stressor. And it is, like you say there, it's a great love. It's something you do, especially for you. And we can get caught up in the, the tick boxing, the do, do, do. But I love that you brought in there, you know, it's still so important for you to play the role of friend. It's still important for you to play the role of wife and do those things that feed you because 14 weeks maybe doesn't sound like a long time on paper. But I, I personally find that if I go into a block trying to be perfect, perfect every week, perfect every meal, that kind of makes me viral. And I, I caught myself in a PB attempt earlier this year for a 10K. And I'll be honest with you, I flunked out purely from the emotional and kind of this, this goal for perfect. So I guess the question is, have you, have you found yourself in a spiral like that? Is perfect something that you've ever found yourself striving towards? Because from the outside, it can easily be perceived as that. But were there any low points in this training block? And yeah, how did you get yourself through those days? Um, I wouldn't necessarily ever say that I would strive to be perfect. I know that I am very, very far from perfect. But I think it's more because... I've got two big loves in my life in terms of like, besides my family and friends and everything. Um, and that is my business and that is running. So I do it out of love and I do it out of absolute passion for it. Um, and then you need to check yourself to rest. You know, even if it's something that you love, you need to make sure that you, you know, you still take a break from it and everything. Like in general, this training block for me was so much fun and absolutely incredible. So it was the first time that I could with metrics measure how I am improving um, with like Nick giving me some like insights as to this means this or wow you know look at where you were two oceans fitness wise and this is where you are now we're progressing so much um, I learned a lot in terms of the types of training and everything um, so in general I really enjoyed it and I feel like I became a lot stronger I became a lot faster I became a lot more confident um, but it was external things that definitely like threw me off my game a little bit. So one of them would be <laughs> our weather year and get done. <laughs> I had some horrible training runs with the wind and the rain and everything. But that, you know, that's that's one. Um, I think the biggest thing I told you, Nick, in our like debrief call after the marathon, I think the, the two things that really knocked, knocked my confidence was um, so I also, I forgot, I also ran the, the gun run this year and I also, I then again ran a PB or ran 139 or something, which I loved. Oh, it's just such a, like a race. Um, but then like at the beginning of this year, we scheduled a trip away two weeks after the gun run, which is supposed to be the week in which I should have peaked my marathon training. Like that should have been like peak week before I started taper. And the whole time, like, I had this in the back of my mind that, you know, this week was supposed to be where I absolutely flourish, where I hit my, you know, highest mileage and I'm, you know, at my top form before I started to tape. So in the back of my mind, I had this week, you know, that I knew that my training is going to be a little bit, diffi uh, like, different or difficult or I might not necessarily get all of my sessions in. Um, so after a gun run, I wanted to make sure that I get a lot of training in in the week after it before we go away so I did one long run there um 
in the wind and the rain, but also on really, really tired legs. So I struggled quite a bit on that run. But I think like pushing through that gave me a little bit of confidence. Then this week we went away. I really couldn't do the sessions that we even like kind of wanted to do. You know, um, we were planning some sessions, but I kind of like misunderstood our traveling situation. So I couldn't get the sessions in. Um, and then I kind of wanted to get back here and really smash a long run with like ending it at a marathon base and everything. And I ended up not being able to find the nutrition that I normally have um, on a run. And I, but I did the run in, in like in general and my nutrition completely upset me. Like I was so nauseous and my tummy was sore and everything. So these two long runs that were supposed to be my two confidence building long runs ended up kind of like knocking my confidence in a little bit like I know I would have you know even if it wasn't these great runs it shouldn't have impacted me so much but I think like mentally because I didn't feel like absolute flying in these two long runs it did definitely give me a bit of a knock um like going into that marathon distance yeah I think though as we spoke already I think there was a big mental psychological element to that because at the end of the day you know you look at a training block and as you said 14 weeks there's a long time to be training specifically towards one goal and you know there's a lot of pressure that that goes into one particular goal and and marathons we know marathons are not uh they don't often end up playing out as as we plan you know when, when especially when we're going out for a pb marathon we're talking personal best we're talking your once in a lifetime personal best where you've gone and hit all your markers at all your times especially where you're striving for such a high goal as a Boston qualifier. And I think, you know, it's easy to get lost in, ah, this, at this time I should be doing this, and by this time I should be doing this. And there's a big element to, you know, as long as you've been consistent enough in your training, say for 10 weeks in your build-up to your training, if you do fall off the bandwagon for a week or two weeks, that shouldn't actually, that shouldn't derail your overall training block. So from a fitness perspective or a readiness perspective for that marathon, I don't think that there's, you know, anything about it that, you know, you could have gone into the day thinking, ah, oh, but that week, that week where you went mm-hmm. on holiday is the reason why, uh, you know, uh, things are going to unfold today. So I want to mention that, Andy, because a lot of people, you know, they, they look at those things and they, they, they fuss over it and they, they look at it and think, oh, I wish I'd done it differently. But we all know life gets in the way and you know as non-elite athletes we also need to be able to to be moldable and and trust that we are doing the best that we possibly can with our energy levels and our time in a day and the focus you know i think the one element that you didn't mention and what you explained as well is that you know going away for a week in your busy schedule as we already established you know you come back to a lot of work and in those weeks leading up to the marathon there was there was many other stresses uh, more than just the lack of training or the uh, inadequate amount of training let's call it that but the stresses in your life the stresses in your job and not to mention the stress that we all feel in the lead up to a marathon so perhaps you can give us an idea of those feelings that you felt uh, because I think that that is a key element in the the last, they call it the taper period. It's something that mm-hmm. a lot of runners struggle with. Uh, so perhaps you can take us a little bit through that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so just in like following up on the, the previous like section that we spoke about now, even though like those two training runs that I spoke about, you know, I didn't absolutely love, the last two weeks of training, like that taper week, I was so confident. Like I, fe- I felt rested after that break. I was flying through all of my workouts. Like, I remember I, I, I told you, Nick, like, I'm, I was, like, singing while I was running because I was feeling so good and so confident. And everything was just, like, I thought, oh, you know, these two long runs in the end, you know, they didn't make me, like, unfit or whatever. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm good. So, like, training-wise, I was super confident and happy going into the marathon. But like you mentioned, those two weeks before the marathon, we were interviewing new people for... Um, like to join our team we moved our offices we were building different stores we launched a new collection and besides that you still need to do your your normal work as well I think I remember like previous marathons 
like the two weeks before the marathon, that was my world. The marathon was my world. I was like thinking about it all the time. I was excited. I was like packing out my race gear like four days ahead of time. And like it was just that like super excitement the whole time because that's all I was thinking about. And I remember like we had a call before the marathon, I think two days or three days before. And I, up until that point, I haven't actually like thought about like what's happening that weekend. You know, I couldn't put my head into this this like framework of, of where I am. And I think that's definitely a, a big thing, you know. It was it was like secondary to to all of my other priorities then. But I still did my training and everything like mornings were running and the rest of the day was just chaos. But um yeah, so I think that's that was like the big thing. Yo. Andy, still, I, I mean, I'm repeating myself here, but I really don't know how you do it all. I will, I will admit, I was fangirling very hard. Um, I was keeping up to date with the Strava updates and the Instagram updates. And actual fact, you motivated me to get a lot of my big, scary runs done. I mean, if you could run in the weather, some of the weather conditions that you did all on your own, you literally got me out of bed a few mornings. And I remember telling you this. And one of <laughs> One of my favorite moments leading up to the race was our shakeout run where we went mm. and had a coffee afterwards and you had a laugh and said, oh, I may have had one too many glasses of champagne at my best friend's birthday on Friday. And I just thought, you know what? This is so awesome. Yeah, it's somebody who genuinely loves what they're doing, but they're also so passionate and they love their life as well. And the confidence that you're speaking of, I saw you were absolutely buzzing, which is just absolutely incredible to see. Um, I think when, when we take on such big goals, and I mean, filling the role that you do for Burns, I mean, having a glo- going global brand, I mean, you guys have a footprint almost worldwide now, and then also putting yourself into that limelight, stepping forward, sharing your goals, it must have a huge impact on your personal like self and self-esteem did you find at some point that you found that you were really having to um show up for more than just yourself and were there ever any negatives and positives from that could you could you take us through that journey of deciding to share this journey and how that was for you yeah for sure um so I'm, I'm not going to pretend like I'm someone with uh, like 100,000 followers or something, but the people that do follow me, um, they're like, they're very keen to see what I do. <laughs> um, so I've never before shared a race goal in my life. Like for me, because it's such a personal goal, you know, it's, you know, you've got your career goals and you've got like all different goals in your life, but this for me is like this personal goal and I love to like achieve that goal. So I've never shared my, my goal race times before, besides to be and my mom. But um, I decided to, to share this goal just because I actually don't know why. I actually don't know why. Like I I just I just decided to <laughs> I just decided to do it. I just decided that um, you know, I've been posting more about running for like a year. A lot of people ask me about it, a lot of people um ask me like advice, um, all those other things that I thought like Let's try it a little bit differently. Maybe if I put this goal out there, you know. Um, I actually don't know what I wanted to do with it, to be completely honest. <laughs> I just put it out there. <laughs> you were just so inspired. You were so motivated. I was so inspired. You know what, Nick? Um, that day that I phoned you, I, I've decided on this goal and never in my, never for a second did I doubt that I was going to reach it. That was never a thing yeah. for me. Like, whenever I put a goal out there, I know that I'm going to reach it because... I'm a little bit competitive and I know that I'm not going to win the race, but I want to win myself. You know, I want to win the previous version of me. But with putting that goal out there um, and with taking people along with my training, the good days, the bad days and everything, I did definitely have that in the back of my mind during my training or during the actual marathon as well. Um, I actually um, realized this even more afterwards with the messages that I received after posting that, you know, the race didn't go as planned. I had people like coming to me on race day saying, oh, well, we're, all of us were wondering, you know, what happened. We were following your splits on the app and or like you ran past us and we we saw that you were after this, this and this bus. Um, and we were all wondering like what happened um, or, you know, so people were like discussing 
my goals and what happened and what didn't happen in my training block and things like that. And I was a little bit blown away because I'm like, yo, you know, I'm, I normally just run for myself. Um, so that was definitely something in the back of my mind. And literally while I was having this tough marathon of mine, I was thinking, oh my word, I know people are tracking me. I know that they are physically seeing me fail as I run. And that was very hard for me because it's yeah, so personal to me, because I'm so emotionally connected to this goal. Oh, yeah, look, I think it's important now for perhaps listeners that don't know about it or don't know about how the marathon went. Mm -hmm. Maybe you can give us an idea of your previous three marathons prior to this one, how they mm -hmm. went, what times you ran, and how, yeah, just a little bit of background there, and then we can go straight on to how this goal marathon wow. went that you, you put so much into. Yeah, um, so for anyone listening, I'm not a professional athlete. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> <Tana> Stein. <laughs> I'm not running like records or anything. I'm just a very passionate runner. And so basically my first first marathon was in 2019, I think. Yeah, 2019. Um, I then had run a handful of half marathons and I was just like doing my own thing and just decided to enter Cape Town Marathon. Um, it's just... You know, I wanted to do a marathon and, and this one is nice and flat and local and everything. And I just decided to do it. Didn't really have a training plan or anything. I just kind of winged it. I honestly don't know what I did. Um, one thing that stood out to me on that day was I, I had no clue about nutrition. I think that's the biggest takeaway from, from this first marathon. I went in there and no idea about the distance. I think I did one or two long runs before it. Um, and I think it like... 25 or 27 kilometers I thought oh my word people say you should like fuel on a race maybe I should have this bar that um I got at the expo bad idea I ate this bar was very sick for the rest of the race um but ended up running a 404 um so that was like kind of like my first one and immediately after the race I thought I'm never ever ever doing this again and I entered the next race about like two days later. <laughs> like you forget, you forget the pain. Um, you just remembered like the good parts. Um, the next one that I did, I for sure feel a lot better. Um, had a little bit more structure to my uh, training. I bought this book called um, Run Less, Run Faster. Um, and that gave me a little bit more guidance on, you know, different types of training, speed workouts, tempo workouts, um, your long runs, those type of things. And it gave me a bit of a structured plan. So that I did went much better, but I think I didn't know what capacity I could run to. So there I ran um, 3.53. That was my second run, 3.53. Um, then the next one, a little bit better, what's more prep, definitely feel better, better training block. Um, then I ran at 3.39. And that one I absolutely loved. Like I loved that marathon. I was so strong and I felt so good and I felt fueled and I felt strong and everything. So that's the one that basically kickstarted this goal of mine to run the sub 330 um, Boston qualifier. So that, I mean, that just shows, you know, constant improvement through many years worth of running. Essentially, the marathon is something that we know it's just practice, consistency over time. The fitness builds, we get better. There's no doubt that you are going to improve from your first marathon. Now, mm -hmm. once you've done a few marathons, you sort of get to a point in your training where I think a lot of runners, and I see this with a lot of runners personally, is you want to try and make the most out of your training. If, if the marathon is something that you enjoy, you want to see what your body can achieve. You want to see what you physically are capable of. So the natural next thing that people try and do is now that they've sort of got a better idea of what the race feels like, now that they know what their sort of fueling strategy should feel like or should be like, they look towards advice, whether following a plan or being coached. I think that's the general progression that, you know, you mm -hmm. go from novice marathoner to more experienced marathoner. And that, is, that was exactly what you tried to do when in approaching me and getting the guidance and advice and moving forward with this training block now obviously now we we chatted about the training block we chatted about the days leading up maybe you can give us an idea of race day because you know i think 
that will sort of start the conversation of what we really wanted to get into today in terms of our discussion um, of, you know, bouncing back from, from this appointment. So, so tell us, how was Marathon Day? Um, okay, so Marathon Morning was fantastic. Um, I woke up on time, had my brekkie, everything was stretched, was ready. Um, getting to, like, the starting line is just the best feeling. You're so excited. You're just about to, like, do this thing that you've been working towards for the past couple of months. Um, so that all, like, great morning. Um Starting out the race, I um, knew that I had my certain splits that I wanted to meet to reach the goal time. Um, I know from personal experience in races that I take about three, four kilometers to get warmed up, get into the rhythm, you know, to really start enjoying my race. So I knew that the first three or four kilometers, I just need to kind of like focus on getting into my rhythm um, and like enjoy the scenery a little bit, warm up, all those things. So that all went fine. I was, say, like around eight kilometers. It was a little bit weird for me that I haven't, like, found my rhythm too much. But I thought, I didn't think too much of it. Um, I was pushing a little bit harder than I expected to reach this, like, pace that I wanted to. Like, I thought it would be a little bit more comfortable than it actually was. But I was still hitting my paces and everything. Then running through Woodstock, um, even though we prayed that it wouldn't happen, the wind was from the front and it was very, very tough. I, yeah, I, I struggled quite a bit there. Um, you know, you start to take your first gels, you trying to make sure that you're still hitting your pace, you're trying to conserve a little bit of energy to make sure that you still, you know, you can run some negative slits late in the race. So, I still managed my, my goal paces there, but I kept on thinking, oh my word, I still need to run 30 kilometers of this, or oh my word, there's still 25 kilometers left. Um, while still maintaining my pace, that was absolutely fine. I just knew that I was putting, you know, I put all of the time and effort into this goal, um, into running this marathon. I need to enjoy it, you know, we, we love running. I'm supposed to enjoy this race, so I like constantly try to shift my like my mindset you know I love marathons I love running I worked so hard for this I'm not gonna um you know make this win bother me or make my low energy bother me or anything so I really really tried um I came past the half marathon mark under my goal time or like within my my goal time which I think I passed at 143 so that's still um you know on track for for the sub 30, especially because I was planning on running negative splits. Then, um, for the first time ever, at like 22Ks, I started walking. I can't necessarily explain why, I just had this overwhelming feeling that I now need to walk. And I thought, okay, that's fine. Gonna take a minute. I'm you know, not gonna lose my goal time just because I'm walking for a minute. Just gather, gather myself, gather my thoughts. It's like, you can do this. But I was just feeling, you know, so like, and energized and um, started running up again and then like 23, 24 kilometers, I swerved to the side of the road. I took out my phone and I phoned Pia and I'm like, this is very, very unenjoyable. <laughs> I might have like swore a little bit, but I just told him, listen, I'm struggling so much. Um, I'm not enjoying this at all. I'm I'm not sure, like, how I'm going to finish this race. Please come and pick me up. Like, I, I can't do this. Um, and he just, like, calmed me down and he said, listen, forget about your goal time. Just enjoy the race, you know. Um, try and get into your rhythm. We're all waiting for you because him and the burn team were all here at, like, 37 or so kilometers. They had a bit of a like, gazebo and cheer, cheering for us and everything. And he sent me a photo saying, um, like, we're all waiting here for you. Just enjoy it. Forget about your goal time. Remember that you love running. And I'm like, okay, shut, you know, put the phone down. But while I was like on the phone here, you must have seen like the people running past me, their eyes, like everyone's just wide eyed because I'm this girl walking next to the road, like sobbing on the phone. Um, <laughs> but anyway, <clears throat> gathered myself again, put my phone away and, you know, ran a little bit. And, like, periodically, I, like, gained a little rhythm. Like, my Strava is all over the place. <laughs> like, my face is all over the place. But, anyway, like, at some point, I caught a 340 bus. And um, I thought, okay, 340, 
you know, I'll take that any day. Um, like, ran with this bus for a kilometer or two, didn't really, like, enjoy it, but anyway. Um, and then I took a bit of a tumble, you know. I, yeah, I don't know what I tripped over, but I took a bit of a tumble and someone, like, caught me a little bit and then I was just completely rattled and shook. And from there on, it was... Um, you know, running, walking, crying, repeat, and that was that was my race for the <laughs> for the rest of the like twenty or like fifteen kilometers. It was very tough. Like I would go to the water station and like chug two like <laughs> two little um, cups of water, and like where I would normally like take two sips and like sprint past, and that was just so unlike me. And every person I saw next to the road. And like they would say, go Adriana, and I would like like wave at them and start sobbing again. <laughs> so embarrassing not to say it afterwards, but I was so emotional. I was just, I was so ready for this goal, and I was so trained, and I was so excited to reach it. And it was just not my day. It just felt like my tank was completely empty, and I had to gather everything that I like could to complete this race so passing PNM at like the 37 kilometer mark I um, literally sat on the sidewalk for about five minutes cried again <laughs> drank some water um, and then I did the last couple of kilometers in the prom and that was incredible so I was running and then walking a little bit and I had people coming like from the side um, like recognizing me and they would like like hold my hand and they would say come on Rana, come on Zadlip. like um, you've got this kind of like thing and they would like be in their jeans and tackies and um, running with me for like 200 meters and then I would like be in a rhythm again and whenever I felt like I was a little bit um, demotivated or down or someone would scream from the side or someone would like cheer me on or something and it's honestly the people around me that that pulled me through to the finish line um, and you'll like I smiled all the way finishing um, like on that blue carpet because I was just so flippin' happy that I was done. <laughs> but yeah, so that's, there was an absolute emotional roller coaster for me. It, it's like a race that I've, like no other that I've ever done before. Um, but I guess you need to have one of those in your life, right? It's, it's actually so nice, not, not to relish in it, but to just hear <laughs> how your personal experience played out because obviously we see the Strava we see okay there's a big blow but to know that you actually mentally were able to hold it together enough to still run after 20, I mean 20 odd kilometers 18 kilometers of absolute agony <laughs> the mental agility that you have to have I mean like you've said yeah it's the people that you were able to lean on that, that hold you together but also giving yourself some kudos yeah yes it may have been your fourth marathon but it's the first marathon that you've raced and I think racing and racing a goal time is a very different thing to running and this is maybe something that you can now comment on having actually gone till you've blown because that's a space that I personally haven't been able to push myself to and I wonder how many women, <laughs> I, I also wonder how many women are listening to this, you know, making her runner and kind of, I think women are naturally a little bit more cautious than our mm. male counterparts. So I think going till you blow is an achievement all on its own because I mean, how, how brave and how confident do you have to be to even go out at a pace that you know is not going to be comfortable because you're running at the edge of your capacity, running a personal PB? What was that feeling like? I mean, yeah, how, how, how did you even <laughs> mentally sit with those feelings and still know that I, I am pushing to my absolute maximum? Do you, are you just naturally a risk taker? I mean, with your brand, you must be. But sure, if you had to be speaking to a friend here saying, how do I push myself out of that comfort zone a little bit more? What would you say to her? It's very interesting that you mentioned this. Like, I haven't actually thought about it before where you say that maybe the previous races, I was running, you know, a, like a fast pace for myself at that point, but I wasn't necessarily pushing myself to 
like your threshold pace or like as fast as you physically can go. I haven't actually thought about that. I think in a, in a way, like it is my personality. My mom raised me with this mentality of I can do anything. And sometimes it's a little bit like, like it's, it's almost like how hard can it be, you know? Um, I just need to maintain this really fast pace for 42 kilometers. I mean, I'm not going to die, so let's just like <laughs> give it a go. <laughs> I might as well just try. Um, I think it's a bit of, I don't, not, not like overconfidence, but it's just this, this thing of like a little bit of competitiveness, a little bit of like, let's see how this goes, a little bit of um, pushing the boundaries a bit. Um, I think I could mentally take on this goal knowing that it's going to hurt knowing that I need to push myself to the edge because I've had a couple of years before like I don't think I would have been able to race a marathon or like race these half marathons throughout the year if I didn't have a couple of years behind me backing my experience almost like but it it is true that you're saying like people seem to a woman needs to like tend to underestimate themselves a little bit or not wanting to put a goal out there or thinking you're that's super fast I'm not even going to try it for in case I fail um that kind of like mentality it's, it's a really interesting question that you asked so I don't know if I answered it, you at all it is interesting though I think there's a lot of uh, look women in general but all around that there's often the the case of I don't know if I can actually push myself that hard. There are a lot of people that struggle to push themselves to that intensity. Uh, To answer that question, I I mean, when we were chatting about the goal and the plan and how we're going to go about it, there was definitely an element of being scared Mm -hmm. to to be able to to sustain that effort for a prolonged period of time. But then that comes with the term of, you know, you're not going to succeed unless you're willing to fail. And Mm -hmm. that there is an element of the give and take and when it comes to pushing yourself over a marathon i mean we can chat a li- we can chat more about the details of your marathon in depth if we needed to but regardless of it you know um there there does come a time in the marathon where you do hurt and where sometimes you know on a good day you can push through that pain and really get back into rhythm or you know you let that get to you and it falls by the wayside the fact that your hurt came so early i think is is where the problem came in because you know if if you carried on like you did uh perhaps out of not really getting into any comfortable zone like you said that was the weirdest part from mm-hmm. anything that i heard from from you in terms of never being able to settle into a rhythm uh, those are things that you know you would expect to at a marathon pace which is easier than your your half marathon pace but eventually you do know when pushing yourself to the limit over a marathon there will come the time where the hurt will come in and how you handle that or how you're able to push past that is a big part of being able to to achieve your goal time on race day and unfortunately we can't have the ability to do that on every single day it's just yeah. as human beings everything is so unpredictable but you know yeah, it doesn't Sorry, Carry on. I want to um, interrupt you. That just, that's actually one something that I want to mention now. Like, I know myself that I've, I've run a couple of races that, that's been a little bit tough for me, but I, like, I'm mentally quite strong. Like, I can push through that pain. I can push through an uncomfortable pace. Like, I know myself for that. So that's why I felt comfortable taking on this goal. So what, what really threw me on this marathon is the fact that normally being so mentally strong, normally being able to push through like the pain and the uncomfort and uncomfort uh, discomfort discomfort I'm always there my I like that one Un- uncertainty <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep it discomfort <laughs> oh that was what was really strange for me I, th- I think that's also what threw me off is I almost didn't have the mental capacity to keep on fighting so hard at that pace like I know that I finished the, the race and I know that my finish time was still faster than a lot of people, you know, run a marathon in. Um, but for me, like, that threw me quite a bit, the fact that I almost didn't have the mental capacity to keep my pace, which is weird for me. But at the same time, I think, as is the heading or, or the topic of discussion today and the, the title of this episode, 
there, there is something that a bad race or a failed run or a failed attempt, not that I even like using that word failure, but mm-hmm. there is something that a bad race can teach you that a good race just can't. It, it stretches you <laughs> to a different level and, and maybe even makes you realize that, hey, I, I am even stronger than I thought I was going in. So yes, as much as it is a very bitter pill to swallow in the moment, it can easily turn into such a huge lesson for the next one. And I guess that's what I would like to know is, is there any standout lesson that you found from this race? And I mean, you were running in the, the, a week afterwards already. So clearly it didn't manage to steal your joy, which is just incredible. But talk to us about the bounce back. So... The fact that I ran the week after the marathon, first of all, I wasn't sore. <laughs> like, I didn't have any pain because, you know, it wasn't like, a, it wasn't the race that I wanted to run. So I didn't, like, my muscles, my muscles wasn't sore and things like that. But the biggest thing for me, um, I used to do horse riding when I was a kid. And whenever I fell off the horse, my mom would force me to get back onto the horse immediately, even though I was so mad at her and I was, like, crying and sobbing and everything. But that, like, getting right back onto the horse, it's the same for a reason is conquering that immediate fear again. So I needed to look running in the eye. I needed to say, listen, I still love you. You know, I still (laughs) enjoy you. I still, um, running has brought me so much joy in my life. You know, it's, it's made me a happier person. It's made me balance my life. It's made me see beautiful sunrises or beautiful sunsets. And it's given me so much joy and so much connection to people around me. So I needed to make sure that I maintained that joy of running. So, Yes, I was heartbroken, like those um, two weeks or so after after the race, but getting back into running with no pressure was incredibly important for me to make sure that, I, that I'm not too scared to start again. And, and dealing with that heartbreak is also, I mean, that's from, from listening to your story of the day, because of the amount of energy that you put into it, because of the way that you voiced your your goals and the amount of people that were behind you and you feeling that pressure on the day to, to perform, to actually not achieve your goal. Um, that That is a bitter pill to swallow, you know, and, mm-hmm. and finishing, sure, like we say, we can say it all day, you, you got to the finish, that's great, you still finished in a great time, you know, there's lots of learned experiences, but at the end of the day, dealing with failure in a way, and I know it's not a word that we want to bring in, but, you know, to... to that's an what it feels that, like. That's what it feels like, you know. That is the emotion that you're dealing with. Um, so those days directly, I mean, even that day, directly after finishing, you know, how, how did you feel? Is, can you, describe, can you mm. describe that for us? Because I think it's, it's something that a lot of listeners, you know, they haven't... They haven't push themselves to that edge or put themselves out there so much so perhaps they've dealt with failure slightly differently but what was your experience of that this is going to sound a little bit dramatic um but i had to like i had to like mourn my goal like i had to take time to to miss it to mourn it to deal with with the loss um we, we were supposed to have like 20 friends over that evening um for a braai um a swimming pool and i what's up here on the race and I told them to cancel the bride because I knew that I wouldn't be able to deal with all these people or like have to voice my feelings yet because so I had to internally deal with it first I I was really heartbroken like every single person that I saw afterwards um the couple of days after and they like told me I heard about your run or how was it or are you okay i I burst into tears every single time because I was so, I was so heartbroken about it. Um, and then as soon as I kind of figured out or like mentally unpacked it a little bit, you know, thought through all the different things that could have gone wrong. There's nothing that I could have done any differently to, to what that would have made a difference um, in the race. And when I kind of realized that I could make, peace with it but I needed to deal with it myself and I needed to mourn the loss of of this result I think that is so profound and you put something into my vocabulary that 
I've long forgotten about. I, I think I heard about warning something other than somebody's loss um, mm-hmm. in the first context after a breakup. And what, what the article had said was you have to mourn future memories that you had made in your head. So here you were achieving your goal, running across that finish line in that time, receiving the medal. You were embracing your friends and your family and seeing your peer and your burned team. And, you know, those were future memories, but our brains perceive them as the same. So that is absolutely accurate what you have said there and, and a real legit coping strategy and toolkit that we need to, to cope with emotion is, yes, you, you have to mourn the loss of the goal. So thank you for, for saying that. <laughs> but it, it is hard. I mean, I look at that and I think, okay, well, do I really want to try and push myself to that edge? Because <laughs> this is what could happen to me. I don't, I don't want to mourn anything. I want to just be conservative. I want to go out there and enjoy myself. So Andy, if, you've got, if there's listeners out there that perhaps are feeling that way, what would be your advice to them because I mean obviously we talked about the learned experiences we yeah. talked about the emotional uh, you know trauma that had to occur in order for you to get back to a point where you love running but what would you say to someone if they'd ask you would, would you go would you do that again absolutely because on any other day I would have smashed that well <laughs> there we go that, that's confidence coming through there <laughs> and that's something I, I feel Andy and I, I do I just want to pay you a compliment that's something I really, if I have to think about one word to associate with you, it's confident. But even more so during this conversation and unpacking this with you the way that we have, I think if I have to think about what I have taken out of this um, session, let's call it, is that in front of me sits a very self-assured and confident woman who knows exactly how to deal with her emotions. And, you know, sometimes people will come to running as an escape and it can bring you so much joy, but it can equally push you to some really negative spaces. So I think that if you allow it to, running can help you grow into a better version of yourself. And you do, you need to learn from the lessons. You need to take those bad runs in your stride. You need to look that horse on the face, get back on it, but you also need to lean on the people around you. And I think that's really what you've been able to teach us in this episode and I think anybody who is listening to this will definitely go and rethink what they've put on those bucket lists because yeah yeah I, 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 I <laughs> <laughs> you know what um, the amazing thing about running is that it can be a competitive sport for for anyone because you are competing for yourself um, so it can be you know a bit of a bit of um, you know, like team sport that you had at school, you know, you yeah. went towards the goal and like that type of competitiveness, like I'm used to miss that. So I got that now from running and it's, it's an incredible aspect of my life, but also the joy of it. And it doesn't have to be mutually exclusive. Like you don't only have to enjoy your easy runs and suffer on your races or anything. It's, it's this, this almost like thing that comes together doing training, doing racing or anything and the incredible feeling of accomplishment that you get after succeeding at a race should be enough for you to always make sure that you've got a goal that you're working towards or that you've entered that race. Yes, you'll fail every now and then. Yes, you like you'll have a tough race, but those would be the exceptions. The the rule of running, the rule of working on something outside of your career or anything is that it brings you joy and is that it, you will succeed and and even if it's not only a time that you run better or something like that you, you learn every like something in every single race and like that should be enough for you to keep on going and keep on running and keep on competing and keep on like you know entering for races so yeah i love that i love that <laughs> In that case, I mean, I, I think I already know the answer to this question. Yes, there is a next goal. Are you willing to share or are you keeping this one all to yourself? Um, for, for now, I've decided to run for the joy of running. So I love I, that. Um, you mentioned it earlier. Um, I tend to run alone. That's a time in my day where I unpack some things in my mind. I 
you know, just spend a little bit of time on my own because my life is so busy and so full um, that I find it really important. But the other thing is um, I want to start running with friends again and I haven't done that in a long time. Like I miss a, a run and chat, um, you know, a little bit of a slower pace, the scenic route, that vibe. Um, so that's what I want to do for the next for the next while. But you know, maybe you ask me next week and I'm already entered for another race. But um, <laughs> no, I'll, I'll see. Maybe um, maybe the beginning of next year. I'll I'll always like consider running the two oceans half. I'll always um, try and run a couple of races throughout the year. But yeah, at the moment I'm just running for joy. No, that's so a perfect there's, there's, answer. There's nothing wrong with that, Andy. And I think, you know, um, like you said, it, it, running goes through different seasons as well. So, you know, for those listening out there, a perfect way to bounce back from a uh, from a goal that you didn't quite achieve, you know, you, you shouldn't necessarily go back and try to do the exact same thing again. Uh, there's so much to running. And a lot of the time we get stuck into this is what we want to achieve and this is what I need to do. But oftentimes we neglect everything else that is happening around that that could be making us happy or taking our mind off of the failure that was. So I think it's important to to look at running as a wellness mm-hmm. as a wellness from a wellness perspective rather than just this is the goal I want to achieve it. This is my next goal I want to achieve it. There's so much more to it, and I think you've taught us that today in, in this conversation. It's been it's been really, really great to chat to you and unpack that goal. Um, I know we've done it a few times now, but I'm learning, I'm learning new things as you go along all the time. And I just want to say to add to you know, the work that you've done and what you've been doing, the motivation and inspiration that you've, ha- uh, that you've been able to influence with, for others around you, you know, it goes far beyond the people that you know, reach out to you and say something to you or, or leave you a message. It's like... That, that's the beauty of running. You're inspiring those around you without you even knowing it and you're just doing the thing that you love doing. So ah, from my side, you must just keep doing what you love doing. Thanks. Um, I think the the biggest thing for me is um, to, because I'm like a, I'm, I'm like your average runner. I'm not like a fastish average runner, but I mean like, I'm not like an elite athlete. The only thing that I want to do with sharing a lot of my running is to get people to run because I I didn't have it like for a long time in my life I only recently like five years ago really started getting into it and if I can just get someone to take that first step or to make it look like fun you know that they just want to put on their tackies and give it a go for a month or two and maybe then also get hooked on it or maybe discover their love for running if that's the only thing that I can do just by sharing a little bit of, of my running. I mean, I don't share my programs or things like that. I just basically show my scenery and this is my outfit and this is what I'm doing today and this is so much fun. And, you know, if that can just get someone to run or someone to enter a race, um, then I'm super happy. Thank you so much, Andy. I mean, sharing what you have today, I'm sure that is pure motivation enough to get so many people taking that first step. And just to wrap things up, I mean, you've naturally led us into this, but I see that the Burns Summer Series runs are happening again. And what we have spoken about here is joy, community, really just connecting with people, finding friends and doing it for the love of it. So just to give it a little plug here, (laughs) how can people get involved with the Summer Series? Because I think that is the perfect solution to all of the above that we have discussed. Yeah, so we um, will definitely launch like the announce the the final launch dates very soon. But around mid-November-ish, we're starting up in our various locations. So the big thing for us was to connect with our community, first of all, and to create that fun running environment. You know, if you are someone who wants to get into running or you're someone who like once a week wants to run with a couple of friends, we want to make sure that we have created that environment where we have a fun-filled, fun 5k no pressure run for you at a standing um like appointment once a week and we're partnering with some like really cool brands like you know our partnership with vita so we always make sure that you are um receiving like a nice coffee treat afterwards we've got a couple of other brands that we're getting involved just make sure that you can make running such a big part of your life with a community with 
everything around it. And because I'm so passionate about it and because I've got this activewear brand that I can enable people to run, you know, um, I just want to bring that all together. And yeah, basically we've got a couple of locations um, across South Africa, but we'll, we'll post about it um, on our Instagram. Um, awesome. So, I mean, anybody who isn't following Burnt Yet, um, I think you, you've been missing out. But <laughs> you'll find that information on Burns. I'm pretty sure I don't need to give it any more plugs than that because people know it's the Orange Tag Tribe. And if you want to come and find a cool group of girls to run with, um, yeah, be part of the Orange Tag Tribe and, and let's run. I mean, if you are not inspired by now, then sure. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Thank you, Andy. Thank you so much for being Thanks, with us guys. today, being willing to share your, your journey. And we look forward to, to seeing what's to come from you. Yeah, thank you. And I just wanted to mention, um, Leah, I've told you this before, um, but what you guys are doing here on this podcast and also specifically on Making Her Runner, just having these conversations, it's incredible. It was absolute like savior for my long runs. Like I was just like listening to all these people and, you know, like, <laughs> running and geeking out about it and learning so much. I mean, it's brought such a a positive dimension to a lot of things that I've never known about. Um, yeah, so you guys are doing such a great job, and I mean, I like you too as people as well. It's always great to chat to you. So yeah, thanks again for having me on. Um, yeah, I I tend to nerd out over running. Just love it so much. Thank you so much, Andy. Thank you for listening to another episode of Making a Runner. We hope you enjoyed it and found value in the show. Don't forget to rate and leave a review on your favorite streaming platform. And remember to share with your running buddies. Follow our journey on our socials and feel free to engage with us on all things running. We wish you a pleasant run wherever the road or trail may take you. Bye for now.